We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. We're excited to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Holland, Zlatan, Messi, Rapino, and many more, each episode will focus on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and listen to Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends, wherever you get your podcasts. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. I like to compete. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys going back up. I'm not back up. I'm not going under the three-pointer. I'm going up there. It's, I can move my feet. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here, as always, with Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Mike. This this is going to be an interesting episode, I think. Yeah, there's actually some interesting things that happened in the last week. And, uh, you know, for for a week with no no basketball, really, I mean, uh, like we've been dealing with, I think this week is actually kind of interesting. Well, that's that's kind of my point. There's still no basketball. I mean, there's basketball on the horizon. I think we're going to get to that as the players arrive at the bubble in the next couple of weeks. But for now, we get to have fun conversations about the media. The media, yeah. (laughs) And I think that's kind of the center of of the conversation, for now at least. You know, the first... I don't know if you remember the very, very, very first episode of this podcast. Uh, we broke down what we were trying to do. It was like a 10 minute episode with you and I. Uh, and I I promised that we would talk about the media as part of the story. Do you remember that? Well, they are part of the story. I actually don't remember that. Yeah. I, I thought that. that I, I always thought that the media was a big... Narratives were such a huge part of basketball that the media was part of the story more than anything else. And I always considered you and I like not part of the media. I guess in a weird sense that we are. I'm not a reporter, though. You're not a reporter. You do write for Brightside now, though. I uh, do write for Brightside. That's not being part of the media. Um, it, it's funny because my day, my day job, I am literally a part of the media. But that's also <laughs> separate. I'm not a reporter. Right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, look, you talk about the media in any sense. I think people jump to politics immediately, but but a lot of those conversations uh, are applicable to sports as well. And I think I think oh, we're yeah. going to see it. Let's let's get right into it. Let's yeah. let's get into the two things I think that people Suns fans online talked about most this week. Yeah, and I think one of them just happened this morning, which is kind of nice. But uh, we're recording this on Friday morning. The first thing I wanted to talk about is the narrative is now shifting on Devin Booker from is Devin Booker good to is Devin Booker too good for the Suns? 
And this was something that happened on first take uh, on ESPN. Now, I do want to say to start off that there have been people on the internet that have been trying to trade Devin Booker for a while now. I think Bleacher Report will probably release something once a month with a potential Devin Booker trade likely to larger franchises to try and just drum up some sort of click uh, clickbait. But I think that this was a little bit different. There was an entire segment on <laughs> ESPN's first take with Stephen A. Smith that was essentially, is Devin Booker wasting his career on the Phoenix Suns? And then there was some sort of non-good faith debate <laughs> on whether or not he was or was not wasting his career on the Phoenix Suns. Basically, I think personally, and maybe you can disagree with this, Sam, we haven't really talked about it. I think that this is the beginning of a narrative that will now go into the entirety of the next season, uh, which will be, is Devin Booker too good? Now, obviously he did sign a contract, but I do think that there are ways out of that or you can be unhappy well on a long-term contract. And I think I do want to talk about how he could get out of that if, if you want to. But what do you think? I avoided this video for as long as possible because I'm going to be honest right off the bat. I didn't care. Right. Uh, you kind of floated it my way and you were like, oh, we should probably talk about this. And then uh, my DMs are open on Twitter. I'm always okay with Suns fans asking me questions or whatever, as long as they're respectful, via DMs <laughs> on Twitter. Um, and so I had a couple people actually dm me about this video too and so finally last night i was like oh fuck i I guess i should watch this uh my reaction the reason i opened this episode talking about the media is because did you get the impression watching this video like it's just scripted uh you know a seven minute segment between max and and Stephen a like they didn't they didn't really care i said that's why i said a non-good faith debate i exactly it felt like when max first started his debate it was like okay it's my turn to say no he's not wasting his career so that Stephen a smith (laughs) has yes. a platform to jump off of and say yes he is and then they can and bring up the Knicks and now there's a whole Knicks fan base watching this video and yeah exactly it's it's that's entirely what it was so Max Kellerman said that no Devin Booker's not wasting his career um and if you watch the whole video Stephen A agrees with him he says my answer is also no Devin Booker is not wasting he then goes on to talk about Robert Sarver's one of the one of the worst owners in the NBA and I don't trust Sarver but he, he does make the point to say I like the Monty Williams signing um, I trust Monty Williams just not Robert Sarver um, but you could tell both of them kind of felt the same way that the narrative overall in the media may be forming um, but it's not quite there yet it's not to the point of and if anything Suns fans can feel some camaraderie right. with fan bases of other teams because they do, they did this to Anthony Davis they right. do it now to Damian right. Lillard they do it to Bradley Beal they're, they're yeah. going to start doing it to Carl Anthony Towns at the yeah. same time as Devin Booker so there's a camaraderie um, even LeBron uh, like, in Cleveland even LeBron in Cleveland there's a commiseration between all the fan bases of, of these unlucky teams so to speak um, right. so that's the first thing but but the reason the media is important is because guys just like my message to you, stop falling for it. Max said, no, Devin mm-hmm. Booker is not wasting his career. Steven said, no, Devin Booker is not wasting his career. I don't like Robert Sarver, so it was a bit more of a nuanced answer, but he still said no. The title of the video, is Devin Booker wasting his best years with the Suns? Right. And so, you know, it, it went viral, not not viral, but viral on Suns Twitter. Right. Uh, and, and made the rounds. I'm, I guarantee you 50% of the people didn't even look past the headline. Or if they watched, they watched 30 seconds to a minute because that's people's attention spans these days, even though it was a seven-minute video. And the video racks up 340,000 views over two days. Mm-hmm. They, they they got exactly what they were looking for. Knicks fans and Suns fans, right? <laughs> Knicks fans and Suns fans. And Suns fans got to flip their shit about this for for two to three days but uh but yeah i mean so my initial reaction i I finally watched it last night i was like this is what people are talking about really we we Mm -hmm. care about this right like you know people people talk and and i think it's equally important as calling out bad examples of media coverage of the suns Mm -hmm. as even more important is to highlight the good examples which is what we're about to get to in a second but yeah i just (laughs) you got to stop falling for it it's an obvious trap yeah, I think, well, first of all, I, I honestly think the entire thing was just trying to get Knicks fans to to watch something because I think it's like the Lakers and the Knicks. Anytime you say a big name player plus that team, then all of a sudden you get a couple hundred thousand people that are going to watch it just because they like to sort of fantasize about these great players going to their franchises. And with the Lakers, sometimes it does happen. With the Knicks, it doesn't. And I, and I want to say, just, just to Stephen A. Smith, not that he's listening, uh, but... If you were to draft 
all players on the Suns and all players on the Knicks, I think you would get five, six players deep before you even take one Knicks player. <laughs> like, literally, the Suns are a lot better team right now. Even if you included the owners in there, Robert Sarver would get drafted before James Dolan. Like, James Dolan yeah. couldn't even get a proper statement about Black Lives Matter out. Like at least- <laughs> Right, and, and he, he admits that in the video too it's, yeah it's just yeah. it was a it was a half-assed argument on both sides uh, again i'm not interested in, in spending too much time on it because Stephen a was even like yeah, yeah i don't know if james dolan is an upgraded owner um i just know that devin booker and hey we were talking about this last week devin booker loves the big stage obviously Knicks fans want want a guy like that at msg yeah. because uh, he lives for it and he would thrive in that sort of environment just from a, a basketball standpoint not any of the outside stuff i do think though that the idea of the pressure now building on the Suns to keep Devin Booker happy is mounting in a way that was not really happening previously. Do you agree with that, or do you think it's just yeah, the same I, as before? I, I do agree with that, and I think it's um, it's kind of hard to convince people. Like, if if you show people the statistics, first of all, it's hard because the season was shortened. Uh, we know that if the Suns had finished out the last 17 games of the season, they probably would have finished with around 32, 33, maybe even a, a few more wins. Um, and if you look at the greatest turnarounds in the NBA, a 14-15 win improvement for the Suns would be among the best turnarounds of any team in the league. But when you look on paper to, to maybe a casual fan or someone who hasn't been paying too much attention, going from 20 wins to 35 really doesn't look that impressive right. and it's a lot more impressive if the suns are able to replicate it next year and go from 35 to 50 uh, and so that should theoretically obviously be the goal um i do think the pressure is mounting on devin booker i just honestly as an organization i think we deserve it to some extent yeah uh and and you know i, I think we talked about this and this era of player empowerment People are going to say, hey, Devin Booker just signed his max extension. He's yes. got four years left. But he yes. really could force it. Theoretically, I truly believe he could force his way out at any point if he wanted. Yes. So do the, Suns deserve, do the Suns deserve some of this pressure? Yes. And does it bother me? No, because I know, like I said, they're doing it to other, other star players. And it's just the way the media cycle for this league works. Okay, so so many people will say he's on. He's got four years left on his contract. There's no way he could force his way. Nobody's ever done that before, yada, yada, yada. There's like this argument about how it doesn't matter if he doesn't want to play here. Now, I think that argument is stupid. Do you agree with that? <laughs> I Yeah, I, I honestly... I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say stupid because, you know, people look at, at the past and, and that's kind of how they uh, analyze the future, right? Okay. So, like, if it hasn't happened before... I mean, it happened with Blake Griffin, maybe, but, but I understand where people are coming from where they say, uh, you know, based on the past, I don't expect this to be the future. I just think so much has changed in the past five or ten years. Yes, exactly. And I think that it does deserve some sort of explanation on, on why we feel the way that we feel on that. And I just want to give an explanation of how Devin Booker could get out of this without being uh, sort of the villain in this scenario. So if it does not go the way that it should go at the beginning of next season, Devin Booker could easily, very privately, ask for a trade halfway through next season. Now, Suns fans, you're not going to enjoy this conversation, but I just want to explain to people how this can happen. Even I though I don't even he know has, we were going to have this conversation. <laughs> even though he has four years left on his deal. Say he asked, privately asked for a trade and nothing happens uh, past the deadline next season. Next season ends. Uh, now he could publicly ask for a trade. Yes, there's three years left on his deal, but he could say the Suns said that we were going to be this good at this point of the year. We weren't. I'm disappointed. I'd like to get to a team that was properly uh, contending. Now there is public pressure on the Suns to make a trade f from a player and move on from a player that is no longer happy on the team. That pressure will build and build and build and build on the Phoenix Suns. And eventually, if he is traded, the public will side with Devin Booker if the Suns are not really good. That's just kind of how it works. Now that's they always, not, they always do. Yep. They always do. People have already forgotten about Anthony Davis forcing his way off of a team with a year and a half essentially left on his contract and the way that anthony davis I, I think this is something that people forgot as well the way that anthony davis sort of manipulated the trade market to allow him to get to a team that he wanted to is not something that's impossible either maybe teams would be willing to give up more for a guy with three years left on his deal compared to a guy with one but uh the Celtics were one of the teams that were considering trading for Anthony Davis. And if you remember this, Anthony Davis's dad very publicly said, my son will never re-sign with the Boston Celtics after what they did to Isaiah Thomas. Now, if that's true, that, that could be true. But 
what that looked like to me was this massive push and play by the agency that's controlling uh, the future of Anthony Davis to get him to the team that he wanted to play for. This is not something that's insane or out of the question. You could say, well, this will make Devin Booker look really bad. Yeah, maybe temporarily. That's kind of how it worked for Anthony Davis. This is not something that sticks with players over time. You become successful in the future, you're successful. That's how people remember you. Anthony Davis stopped trying for a full half season with the Pelicans last year. He he stopped playing defense. Yes. One of the best generational defenders in history. Stop trying. And, and does anyone care now? No, because he's in position to win a ring. And, and he's even in conversation for Defensive Player of the Year right. in a lot of circles. If you go to the big market and you start winning, no one gives a fuck. And and no one's going to give a fuck if Devin Booker requests a trade out of Phoenix. Because yes. Phoenix has one of the objectively worst owners in the NBA uh, and has been a joke for, for 10 years. I mean, let's, let's just be honest. So, right. And there's other, there's other players who are saying that behind our backs right now as well. <laughs> Yeah. And is this, I just want to say this, is this concern trolling? A little bit. I'll be honest. Yeah, it is a little bit concern trolling. But here's the thing. This is the type of pressure I think that is mounting on the front office for uh, James Jones and what they have to do next season. There was just now recently a uh, a fake trade in a Bleacher Report article that was not a Devin Booker trade. It was actually a trade to get Victor Oladipo onto the Suns. And it was a trade that included Ricky Rubio, Mikhail Bridges, and a I think a top three protected pick for the future, and it was Victor Oladipo to the Suns for that uh, group. And I, I looked at that trade, and I first of all, I'm not I probably wouldn't do that either. I think there's an interesting conversation to be had around that, assuming Victor Oladipo. What if he does end up just as good as he was before? Then. I, uh... <laughs> Yeah. Right. It's uh, very unlikely, and I think that's we've why... The had the, we've had the Victor Oladipo conversation before, and I also don't want to give too much credence to a fake Bleacher Report article oh, 100%. <laughs> on 100%. our episode this week, but, but, but yeah, it's a conversation that could be had. Here's the thing. I've tweeted about a lot of fake trades before. I have never had that level of interaction <laughs> on a fake well, trade that I've tweeted about thing. before. Have you ever, ever... Like, fucking ever. Have you ever tweeted out a fake trade to Suns fans? Honestly, right. it doesn't even matter if you're a Suns fan. It could be any team. And actually had people say yes, <laughs> I would I mean, take that. Well, like, if, if, you put out fake trades, if you put out fake trades on the internet, you're getting ratioed. Automatic right. ratio. You're, right. you're getting three likes and 67 right. responses telling you to go fuck off. <laughs> no matter how fair it is. And, and honestly, the more you get ratioed, the more fair the trade probably is. Right, right. And I think, well, here's, here's why I wanted to bring that up. Whether or not James Jones and his front office feel the pressure to actually build around Devin Booker with a quote-unquote star player or all-star player will dictate whether or not a move like that goes down. And I think this was a great example of what that, kind of mounting pressure could result in because there are not star players are just not available that almost never happens and you could make the argument maybe Bradley Beal's available I don't believe that I still don't believe that Bradley Beal's available until he's traded and if he is traded it's going to be for a massive massive haul it's not because he's not really available it's just like Devin Booker. Devin Booker's not really available either people just sort of are mentally trading him constantly the same way they are with Bradley Beal if the Suns do make a trade for a star player, it's going to be with assets that you don't want to trade, and it's going to be for a star that you're not sure is any is a star any longer, like Victor Oladipo. And I think this is, if you really, truly, truly believe what James Jones says, and what James Jones says is he believes he already has two stars on his team in Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, then you don't really have to worry about him making a trade like that. If you think that the mounting pressure will be too much for James Jones or, more likely, Robert Sarver, then a trade like this could go down. And I think that's this offseason is going to be fascinating for the Suns uh, because of what they do based on that kind of pressure. Or if they even feel it, because maybe they don't feel it at all. Maybe they have the proper conversations with Devin Booker. Maybe they trust him in his future. And maybe he does believe in his future with DeAndre Ayton. What do you think? Right. And, and I don't think he feels that type of pressure to trade for a star yet because he's got so much control over DeAndre Ayton. I think DeAndre Ayton is really kind of the, uh, let's see, he's been, well, I guess Mikhail Bridges has been described by as the linchpin before, but but so much hinges on DeAndre Ayton right. um, in, in terms of the future for this team. But uh, 
to agree with your point, I think he's getting there. Um, I think he's very, very close. And I think a guy like Oladipo, who is not a true star, who maybe only has one year left on his contract, is exactly the type of player that we're talking about getting. Because as you mentioned, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard go on the go on the market. Um, there are a million other teams out there that can put together better offers. And furthermore, you know, w- when I see Suns fans talk about uh, a player like Mikhail Bridges and, and use the phrase untouchable next to him, which which is something that I've seen on, on the internet recently, yeah. uh, that's that's ludicrous. It's right. it's absurd. Right. Especially if you're going to go march over to other teams and say, hey, you know, would you give us Bradley Beal? Would you give us Damian Lillard? And then you're going to turn around and say, oh, no, Mikhael Bridges. He's <laughs> he's yeah. untouchable. Come on. Well, that's, that, we, right. we can't be thinking like that, especially as we go into an offseason uh, where the free agent class is so weak. There's yeah. talent there, but it's it's just not the same. And, yeah. and we have to be a little bit more open minded. Yeah. I think the most common comment that I got was, well, I would do that if you switch out Mikhail Bridges for Kelly Oubre. And it's like, well, of course you would. <laughs> of course you would do that for Oubre because yeah. he's a free agent. Like you're trading somebody who has potentially no future with this team for somebody right. who could possibly be right because a star. the scary thing about the scary thing about bridges is it's you got six to seven more years of him if you want if you re-sign him as a restricted free agent versus kelly he might only be here one or two more years yeah one year. uh, yeah yeah i think that's just my point suns fans i think have to come to grips with if you want there to be another star on this team uh that's what the trade's going to look like it's going to be including someone like that if you don't this think this team needs another star then you're going to expect a massive jump and here's what i'll say it's a good transition to the next topic we have here the same company that did this is what i'm excited to talk about right truly the same company espn that did 20 or four or five minutes on a 22 minute show about if devin booker's wasting his career also released something that is remarkable 40 minutes of a DeAndre Ayton film session with Mike Schmitz from Draft mm-hmm. Express, which is, mm-hmm. I think, I'll be honest, I think this is a little bit of Mike Schmitz giving a little bit of a I told you so about DeAndre Ayton because he was very high on DeAndre Ayton. And I think people who are or were very high on DeAndre Ayton feel a little sense of, I need to prove it to people now because a lot of people's minds were made up on DeAndre. And if you just look at the comments on Mike Schmidt's tweet about this, you can tell who's watched the video and who hasn't just well, based on what yes. the comments are on this yes. tweet. Uh, yes. But it was fascinating to watch 40 minutes of DeAndre Ayton breaking mm-hmm. down defense, only defense. And uh, I, I, it's rare that you get this kind of content just from basketball right. players in general. This was fascinating, wasn't it? I, I loved it. I loved it. And, and this is why, again, to bring it back around with talks about the media, what frustrates me is that people spent days talking about the Stephen A. and, and Kellerman video. Got 350,000 views in two days. ESPN posted this 40-minute interview with DeAndre Ayton where they break down not only his growth in on-ball defense, but they also talk about his off-ball defense quite a bit. And make no mistake, this is not a puff piece. Mike Schmitz is very high on him, but one of the things I'm excited to talk about is they talk about his off-ball defense, and and Schmitz is showing him clips from his rookie year Mm -hmm. where he's just objectively playing bad defense. He's not going for contests on the weak side. He's not, you know, covering his man. And he's saying, hey, DeAndre, what are you doing here? And and DeAndre, to his credit, is going, I'll be honest, I don't know what I was doing there. I was lost. Yeah, I was lost. And then he contrasted with with clips of his growth this year. So you get to see the growth, but but it's not just a puff piece. And so 350,000 views in two days for the other video what's this one gonna get not that i mean get like (laughs) i I seriously want you to give me a guess and then i'll tweet it out in a couple days we'll see where it ends up but i'm gonna guess fifty thousand, maybe for this one in two days i could see it getting over a hundred thousand i i do think that there i think that deandre in such an interesting conversation for a lot of people maybe not the 40 minute video will get a hundred thousand but i think there's another like shortened 12 minute video i could see that one getting over but my my point being you know if we're going to talk about what what we want this podcast to be about when we started it a couple years ago we need to encourage this type of coverage of small market teams and that's not only the phoenix suns recognizing that of course, it makes sense to me why Stephen A. and and Max Kellerman, massive personalities, talking about Devin Booker, a first-time All-Star, why that's going to get so many more views than an actual film study of DeAndre Ayton. But if you want to be an actual fan, if you really want the intricacies of the game, you need right. to follow the second thing and right. spend less time worrying about the first thing. Yeah. And you know, next time you take to these these apps, whether it be Twitter, Reddit, whatever, and talk about why is the media not covering this? 
Why yeah. is the media not doing more of this? It's because in the economy we live in, they're incentivized by doing these clickbait titles, and you guys fall for it every time. I'm guilty well, of it too. I you're preaching to the choir, time. I think, Sam. You're talking to people who I know, listen to I know. a Suns just, podcast in July on a, <laughs> when it's been We're six ta- months yeah. without basketball. <laughs> right. What frustrates me though is yeah. I was like, so my first reaction, I didn't even take to the YouTube comments because it's awful, and I I know I shouldn't pay attention to this, but I watched a good twenty minutes of it. And then eventually I couldn't resist anymore. I was like, this is great. I'm really feeling it. I had to scroll down and see what people were, have, were, were saying in the comment section. Right. That was my first mistake. Right. Because immediately I see, you know, the title is something like Aiton Breaks Down, How He Guards Guys Like Siakam and Giannis and, and whatever. Luca. That was the title. Right. Yeah, Luca. And then the comment section, you go down and, and you just see Aiton can't guard any of these players. Right. And it's a Memphis Grizzlies and it's account. A video or, yeah. <laughs> or something. And it's yeah. a video of him guarding those players. Right. Or, or, or one comment, which was literally like, what the hell is this, ESPN? Like, th- this is what you don't want to see? You really would rather see the other <laughs> thing? You really would rather see people talking right. about nothing for right. an hour? Speculating about fucking nothing? Right. Rather than looking at the actual basketball in front of you? It's mesmerizing. It's amazing what people would rather, you know, how they would rather consume their sports content. And then the same people turn around and bitch about why is the media only covering this? Right. It's it's remarkable. But But to talk about the actual content at hand... <laughs> Sorry, I got I got off on a little bit of a tangent like there. But I, I just want to give credit. First of all, if you don't follow Mike Schmitz on, on Twitter, this is a little bit different from his usual thing because he's talking about, um, I think NBA? as you were saying. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's usually a draft guy and he's a phenomenal draft guy. And if you don't follow him, then you should go follow him on Twitter um, because he covers all prospects. And he frequently uploads. Um, first of all, the cool thing is that he does video breakdowns like these. Like he has sort of unprecedented access to actual prospects and talks right. uh, about their film with them. That's something that basically no one else does. But yeah. he also just posts his own articles and, and his videos of, of players, and it's useful. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think what he highlighted with DeAndre was a few things. First of all, when we talk about on-ball defense, what really impressed me is DeAndre is a guy who knows the strengths and limitations of his body. And as we watched him guard so many guys, so many different superstars of, of so many different flavors yeah. in this video, right? Uh, I, I kind of like, <laughs> it's funny because they're cherry picked highlights, right? I'm watching essentially 40 minutes of mostly highlights. But as I was watching, I was like, this particular blend of, of speed mm-hmm. and agility and also strength in a big man is is something that we don't appreciate enough. Oh, yeah, fans. absolutely. It's truly rare. It's what got him drafted over Luka Doncic, as crafty a player as Doncic is in the right. first place. That's the reason he was drafted. And watching his ability to do something like, uh, you know, contain, like, you know, th- there was this one contrast between a guy like Chris Tapps Porzingis, where DeAndre was like, well, obviously, you know, Chris Tapps would rather shoot, but you don't want him to put the ball on the floor. And if he gets inside, you got to make him feel every bump and bruise. You're really going to yeah. push him around. And it's a little bit more of a, of a speed thing versus a guy like Nikola Jokic, who DeAndre was, he was honest. He said, you know, that he kind of has killed DeAndre every single time in his career, if yeah. being honest. Like the way that Jokic throws his weight around, when you guard a guy one-on-one in the post, 90% of the battle is before they catch the ball. And it's all about positioning. And DeAndre is so strong compared to so many centers, but there are still just a few yeah. kind of at the, at the upper echelon right. uh, of the spectrum who can throw their weight around and, and really bully him. And Jokic has been one of those guys. Yeah. Um, but just the particular combination that he has to guard positions one through five, honestly, in, in at least yeah. small spurts, yeah. um, that really shone in the yeah. video. One through five, and, and that was something that actually did happen on this video. There were a few clips of point guards that he was guarding. I think that you're right about Jokic. I think that he talks about a lot of different big men that he guards in this. Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, Andre Drummond, Kristaps Porzingis. But when he talks about Jokic, there's a little hint of fear in his voice that's not really there when he, than when he talks about other players. I thought a big takeaway for me watching this is Jokic is his sort of, that's like his, almost like his rival. I'm going to put mm-hmm. that in quotes because I don't, you know, rivalries are can be debated on what counts and doesn't count as a rivalry. We need to, we need to win <laughs> against the yeah. Nuggets once in a while. Actually, right. I, I looked it up. Are you curious of, of Jokic's? Because I was like, man, I just remember Jokic kills him. If there's yeah. any center in the NBA that kills him, he kills him. And right. in four career games, Jokic versus Aiton, he averages 26 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists a game yeah. on 63% shooting. So right. he really he has really killed him. But I'm curious, his new skinny body, uh, a lot of his advantage against a guy like DeAndre, like he's not going to get around DeAndre with his speed. No. I don't think that's going to happen. No. Uh, so I'm curious what it's going to look like now that he's shed all, all the, that weight. 
I think that he's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't it. think I don't think he lost muscle. Uh, I think he lost fat, and I think uh, I think the muscle's still going to be there. But what one thing I, I thought was important to remember with sort of the evolution of DeAndre Ayton is the versatility of different big men in the NBA or even offensive players just in general and and how important it is to have experience playing against them. The video starts with DeAndre Ayton saying, I could watch film all day, but nothing compares to the experience of playing against these players. And what this is, is scouting. What what Mike Schmitz is doing is saying, what do you have to do against Luka? What do you have to do against Chris Depps? What do you have to do against Jokic? What do you have to do against Drummond? Just all of these players. And what DeAndre Ayton is doing is describing the different ways to guard these players. And the thing is about the NBA is so many of these guys are so good. And the way that the big man has evolved in the NBA, like Drummond is a completely different player than Jaron Jackson Jr. One's right. essentially a guard and one's essentially a center from the 80s. Like, <laughs> yes, it's, it's, yes, it's, com- it's crazy. It's completely, completely different. Yeah. And I think that when you have a big man coming in to play defense in the NBA, the likelihood of them being good, and I'll use that in quotes, in their rookie year is very low because what it takes is you can learn. The coaches will tell you how to play defense against these different types of big men, but you got to play against them to really understand, I think, what it takes to guard them and the different types of defensive schemes that you use to do it. And I, I was, I think the one of the things I really enjoyed in watching this video is showing sort of the drop coverage that he was doing in pick and rolls and the difference between last season and this season. And you talked about it. This this wasn't just uh, Mike Schmitz jerking off DeAndre Ayton, right? <laughs> it was it, Mike what, Schmitz jerking off me, but not DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> right. He also said, uh, what was this, DeAndre? What is this? You know, showing him bad clips of defense from last season. And there were a few times Which, where, where Ayton said, is that last season? <laughs> you, you could tell <laughs> he takes way, pride in his defense now. Well, but by the way, let's talk about you can't just pull any NBA player and sit them down for 40 minutes and yeah. show them clips of them right. of them screwing up and be like, what would, like imagine like you bring in Russell Westbrook and you're like, what was that, Russell? Where was where was your effort? Like he would chew you out. There's no, a, it takes yeah. it takes a certain uh, humility, right, for DeAndre, but like, also it's I think pride in like his current level. Right, of play. it's both. It's it's that's the accountability that you want to see, and that's my point because DeAndre talks a lot of shit and he still says a lot of things to the media that I just roll my eyes at, like the thing about him shooting threes. Uh, but for as much as he talks shit, yeah. for as much as he talks shit, you can tell that he wants to improve. And it absolutely takes humility for him to sit down and talk to a member of the media and embrace these clips where he's screwing up and just be open about it. It's, right. It was really refreshing. Yeah, he said in an interview, for those who missed it, I shoot the three like a midi now, which to me was, my first thought was, what, too often and when you should be dribbling? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, the other part, of think I think, of this film session that I thought was fascinating was uh, two two other guys, I think, on the Suns team. One, Devin Booker calling out defensive plays and moving DeAndre Ayton to the right position. Uh, in And it seemed to be correct in these specific plays. And I think more often than not, it is. And I think that what we saw was this overall awareness of Devin Booker, knowing what players like to do and what spots they like to get to and sort of, pushing DeAndre Ayton into those spots. And I thought what was interesting is uh, twice, I think there was back-to-back clips of Devin Booker pointing Ayton to the right spot. And then Mike Schmidt says, oh, I think, well, Devin Booker's a better team defender than he gets credit for. And DeAndre Ayton's response was, well, actually, he's really intense when it comes to that. And I thought that was a perfect perfect way of describing it as, you know, for you and I, because we've, we've seen every single play here. Uh, because... He'll get in Aiton's face. We saw it yeah. in the rookie season. They were not on the same page often, and uh, Devin Booker let him know over and over and over again. And I think what this showed was the value of that when it comes to sort of leadership, holding players accountable for the mistakes that they make matters. And sometimes it's not pretty on the court when those mistakes are massive, and I think those led to him being better in the second year. The other thing I wanted to point out was a big part of DeAndre Ayton's defense when it comes to pick and roll he talked about trusting his teammates and the importance of trusting his teammates 
And I think that's where a guy like Mikhail Bridges becomes so vital and so important. And not just Mikhail Bridges. I think Ricky Rubio's there too. And to an extent, Kelly Oubre. But more than anyone, I think Ricky Rubio and Mikhail Bridges, they're oftentimes guarding the best ball handler on the other team. And those guys are vital when it comes to that switch or backing up on that pick and roll. You see the importance of having excellent on-ball defenders who are well-versed in the defensive scheme that the Suns are trying to actually do on the court. Uh, I just watching all those clips. It's like okay, you can see Mikael Bridges' importance, and you can see Ricky Rubio's importance, and and I just it's it's vital to have really smart defenders around uh, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Totally, totally. Um, I want to bring up the stats real quick because I feel like when you're on Twitter, you kind of exist in this bubble where maybe you know all these numbers off the top of your head automatically. But I don't know if all of our listeners really do know the numbers. Just to kind of demonstrate exactly what we're talking about, we've talked about DeAndre Ayton's uh, defensive improvement in the past, but in case you forgot, what we're kind of highlighting here, this year, DeAndre Ayton, it was only 30 games, but he allowed opponents to shoot 52.9% at the rim, uh, which is really good. It's really good. Last year, he was at 62.8%. That's a 10% difference in one year. He got to the point this year where he was uh, allowing a lower percentage at the rim than guys like Bam Adebayo, Jaron Jackson Jr., um, many, many other elite-tier NBA centers. And he was just below guys who have very stellar reputations on that end as well, like Mitchell Robinson, Serge Ibaka, Stephen Adams. Um, So the point is he's in very good company now. Again, I'm glad that that Mike Schmitz was willing to highlight that. Um, I think it also comes through in stats that that aren't um, or maybe a little more abstract than that. But the reason that one particular stat stood out to me um, and the reason I think it circles back to Aiton is because I was I was looking at other players who have made that kind of uh, improvement this year. Mm-hmm. One guy that I saw that surprised me, Anthony Davis, um, and we kind of brought this up earlier in the episode, but Anthony Davis last year, um, his final season with the Pelicans when he totally stopped caring. He allowed 63% at the rim. This year, the Lakers, 50%. He becomes literally a top five uh, defender at the rim in the NBA. Maybe it was top 10. Why I think that's important is because I think it's not only the fact that DeAndre Ayton is 21 years old and he's naturally getting better. Um, And I think this applies to Devin Booker too, by the way. But I think it's also that when you give players a reason to give a shit, they do. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the defensive improvement that we saw from players on the Suns this year was not only because of those players independently developed, but because once you finally took them out of the tanking mindset and you put in place, like you were just mentioning a minute ago, guys like Mikhail Bridges, Aaron Baines, Ricky Rubio, actual decent role players, Kelly Oubre uh, on the team, and you surround them and you give them players that they can trust and you at least go in with the premise at the start of the season that you're fighting for a playoff spot for real this time and not right. just kind of lying through your teeth to the media. Uh, it creates an effect where everyone gets better at defense. And I and I think yeah. we saw it in Devin Booker this year. Yeah. And I think Devin Booker is physically limited in a lot of ways in what he can do on defense. But I do think there was improvement this year. And I think part of DeAndre Ayton's improvement, not all of it, because I think part of it is just natural development as he gets bigger and, and really learns to trust his body. But part of it may be it's hard to give a shit on a 19-win team coached by Igor Kokoshkov. <laughs> and it was easier to give a shit when you went into the season with a little bit of confidence that you could actually win some of these games. I'm not saying that's necessarily the way players should think yeah. because ideally you want them to be giving 100% all the time. Mm. But I think it's just a fact of how this works. Like giving them something to actually play for definitely made a difference. Yeah, and I think to an extent, uh, like I don't think it's a coincidence that DeAndre Ayton's offensive efficiency was probably the lowest when he was playing his best defense and the highest when he was playing his worst defense. Uh, because I just think effort is, it matters a lot for a guy that whose conditioning is not quite where you would want it to be for him to play like 35, 36 minutes a game. Uh, he needs a little better if he could, if he wants to be super, super effective on both ends of the ball. And I think he'll get there eventually, but I think that the focus, the coaching focus is what matters. I think maybe Igor Kokoshkov, and, and, and we don't know, but I think maybe he was a little more focused on offense. And I think that plays out in a good way because he was excellent offensively last year, whereas uh, someone like Monty Williams was maybe a little more focused on the defensive improvements. And I do want to, lastly, for me, uh, end this just by saying the importance of Monty Williams because I think throughout this film session, you could sort of hear Monty sort of speaking through DeAndre Ayton uh, on this 
in this film session because of the coaching that he's brought. The stance, mm-hmm. um, keeping his hands up, verticality, uh, dropping back on pick and rolls, different styles of defense, moving his feet, um, staying engaged. Those kinds of things are obviously coaching, and he, he, he prides himself on being a coachable player. You even saw an interview when he was 15 in this video where he talks about that. But I think to, to tie in the previous conversation on Devin Booker here, if you truly believe in the stars on the Suns are already on the Suns in Devin Booker, DeAndre, and to an extent, defensively, Mikhail Bridges, then the value of Monty Williams as a player development coach is magnified because they're not going to just go out and get some incredible talent and just add them to the team. How good they are season over season is vital, 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 vital for this team. And I think that you saw an impressive leap from year one to year two. And I hope that Monty Williams can continue that. And I was very impressed with what he was able to do, not just with DeAndre. And I think the change in Mikhail Bridges from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, the improvement in Kelly Oubre's season over season with uh, Monty Williams, and even Devin Booker's improvement all show that he is good at developing young players here. And I, I'd like to see that continue for this team because if they are the stars that we're with, that we're, we're going with here going forward, they're going to have to be really, really, really good. So I, I'm really hoping for that. Any other thoughts on that? That's, that's about it. Uh, we highlighted uh, a shitty example of yeah. media coverage of the Suns, and we highlighted a good one this week. And I think they're the two dominant things that that took up most of the conversation but i hope you guys pay more attention to the latter than the former yeah um i've seen a lot of people starting the conversation already on twitter kind of like talking about it honestly as we're recording right now i hope to see more of it in the future if you haven't checked out the video there's a 12 minute version uh on one channel right is it the espn yeah i think it's the espn channel so if you hey if you only want the 12 minute version you can still see deandre guarding on ball a lot of stars but if you want the full 40 minute version watch the 40 minute version that's my advice if you're listening to this podcast you'll like the 40 minute version yeah that's my advice too if if you got time for it watch the 40 minutes i think you'll enjoy it it's uh on the nba on espn youtube channel you can find it there yeah all right we'll be right back we have a little bit more to talk about this week There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, the Suns may have signed another star, right? Right, Sam? Shut up. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) The Suns did sign a player. We have to talk about it. I don't really care, and I'm not sure he'll be part of the future. Uh, But Cam Payne, Cameron Payne, was signed to the Phoenix Suns, a two-year deal, lightly uh, possible two-year deal. Let's just say that. The Suns have the ability of just dropping him after the season. Uh, it's clear that they signed him to be part of the bubble. And uh, I don't know if that means that there are some questions about the guards that are going to the bubble or who, because there were two Suns players that tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, we're not sure who those players are. We'll probably never find out. That's fine with me. Their privacy matters to them. Uh, but maybe it was a guard and maybe that's why Cameron Payne was signed uh, to the Phoenix Suns. But here's my first thought on Cameron Payne. I don't care. He's not that good. I don't know that he's any more of an improvement on any of the players that are on the team right now. And he's not really signed beyond this year. So his future on the Suns doesn't really matter to me. What are your thoughts? Well, I'll tell you this. I went back and watched his uh, career high 40 something points in a G League game this year, and now I'm convinced that he's really good, actually, uh, because that's how that works. I watched that's how highlights work, video. yeah. Uh, no, I have to be, I have to be honest. Um, I cam- campaign was never a guy that I paid a ton of attention to in the NBA. He was in the Eastern Conference his last couple years, like for Chicago, and then he finished out a little stint in Cleveland. Uh, and he was, you know, there's a re- there's a reason he wasn't in the NBA. Um, I do right. think there are a couple of encouraging signs that maybe point to uh, like I, I don't know exactly why James Jones went after him. First of all, there's the Monty Williams connection. He played his uh, rookie season in OKC, mm-hmm. probably his best season, mm-hmm. um, and uh, 
and uh, yeah, and was coached by Monty when he was an assistant there. So maybe Monty personally vouched for him um, and and basically told James Jones to sign him. I don't know. Uh, but I do think there are a couple of interesting things just kind of about his stat profile that could be good news for the future if he does stick around. Um, the first is his last two seasons in the league, um, 3.4 assists per game to 1.2 turnovers. It's always good to see a guy with a good assist to turnover ratio like that who can kind of competently run a set, um, essentially fill in as a bench stabilizer of sorts. I don't know if Payne is that guy. I don't want to make any promises. Um, but I went back and I watched I watched some film, at least, you know, a minimal amount. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't think he's much of a scorer, but I do think he can be a little bit of a playmaker. I don't think he's a high-level playmaker, but I do think he can run sets and make basic reads. And, hey, maybe he can even do that better than Elliot Kobo and Ty Jerome. I don't know. Yeah, if you, um, had, so, to, if you had to rank them, Elliot Kobo, Ty Jerome, Javon Carter, how, uh, campaign, where would you put Cam? Well, the sad thing is they're all kind of, they, like, they all have one skill. Yeah. And it's you a just got to combine them all. Like Voltron. Ty, here's what I'll say. Ty's definitely at the bottom. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, and that's fair, I think, right? Because he can, he can play make, but Cam has uh, campaign has problems with scoring, but but not all. And the, here's the other thing I want to say. Um, his last two seasons in the league, it's a, kind of a small sample size. It's only about 80 shots total. He shot 37% on pull-up threes, um, and he's not really a guy who is going to shoot a ton of catch and shoot looks either like you know he's, right. he's not a guy who's going to play off ball right. at shooting guard to, to devin booker or ricky rubio or something right. um but as a guy who can maybe create a little bit of his own offense i think the problem with campaign consistently throughout his career he's not a finisher he doesn't get to the free throw line yes. and if you don't do those things as a point guard we saw this with ty jerome if you don't even have a floater a dependable floater, and you don't get to the free throw line, you're not going to be an efficient player in the NBA in 2020. Yeah. That's why Ty Jerome struggled. Right. It's kind of why Ilya Kobo struggled, uh, and it's definitely why Campaign has struggled. His three-point shot, though, there is real promise in that, um, and, and not just in the way that there's promise in, say, Javon Carter. Like, Javon Carter can shoot 35% from three, but that's mostly just spotting up. And wide Campaign, open. Right. right, and wide open. Campaign can actually kind of dribble into it, of the four backup guards, he's, I think, the best one at that, the only one who can really kind of do that. And so that's exactly, to an extent, what the Suns bench need uh, needs. And if that's why James Jones picked him up, I totally get it. You know, if he's the best available guy in the free agent market at doing that, that's awesome. Um, but if yeah. I had to rank them, I don't know. I mean, if you want defensive intensity, Javon's probably number one still. Right. Uh, I think maybe I'd be tempted to put campaign number two. A Kobo three and, and Ty Jerome four, but it's yeah. basically a wash. I think that's kind of fair. And I actually think uh, a Kobo and campaign are actually kind of similar players. Yeah. I think that you'll hear a lot, especially from Monty about campaign's ability to pass. And I think that he can be a good passer, but I do think that his decision making is still a problem. I mean, he's not in the NBA for a reason. What you'll see a lot, like the difference between Ty Jerome and campaign, what you'll see a lot is Ty Jerome cannot penetrate. He struggles with penetrating. He can't get past the first line of defense. Cameron Payne might actually penetrate. It's just what he does once he's there that becomes a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, a good distinction. Right. He's going to struggle to finish. He's not going to be able to finish over defenders. He's going to struggle to get fouled when he's underneath. And then what he does with the ball, I think, matters at that point. Can he? If he improves at what he does once he's uh, in the paint then I think he, he'll, he'll be the best of those point guards. Uh, do I have faith that he will? I don't know. I, you know, this is a lot goes back to what Monty Williams can do with him. So I, you know, I don't think this is a big, big, big thing, but I think he might actually get quite a bit of minutes uh, in these last eight games, assuming they actually play these last eight games. So uh, I think we'll get a good look at whether or not campaign has improved and uh, great name, though. <laughs> Campaign is a great name. Is uh, a great name. Um, I also NBA thought it was, it was funny. Uh, Ryan McDonough collected Kentucky players. James Jones evidently is hell-bent on collecting as many 2015 draftees as right. possible. Because right. <laughs> the Suns now have the 9th, 13th, 14th, and 15th picks from the right. first round right. uh, in 2015. Ninth pick was Frank Kaminsky. 13, obviously, was Booker. 14 was Campaign. And 15 was Kelly Oubre. If he just finishes it out now and grabs number 10, 11, and 12 to round out the entire <laughs> lottery, he would need to pick up Justice Winslow, Miles Turner, and Trey Lyles. Yeah. Lyles might be gettable. I don't know about this. Actually, Miles Turner might be 
on the trade block at some point as well. Miles but, Turner might be might be gettable at some point. It's either him or Sabonis. Right, right. Um, interesting. I think that, uh, yeah, there's probably not going to be a, lot, a ton of campaign talk. Hopefully we can avoid that as much as possible. Monty well, hey, Williams if he blows up, I mean, though. you know, if he's the next uh, Mike James. Remember when Mike, <laughs> th- did this podcast exist? No. With Mike James? No, we didn't no. exist yet. But yeah. but but I have a feeling, had we existed at the time, remember when Mike James scored, Mike James, uh, scored like 25 points once and people yeah. were like, whoa, Mike James, he's good. Yeah. I feel like we would have dedicated an entire episode to that at the time. We hundred percent definitely will, and if and if campaign does it, we will again, uh, especially if it happens the day before we, we record. <laughs> I think that's what tends to happen here. But uh, Monty Williams did have a sort of Zoom press conference with the media. Shout out to the people who were on that Zoom call, tweeting it out: Brendan Clean, uh, Gina Mizell, Dwayne Rankin. Um, who am I missing here? All of the great reporters that cover <laughs> the Phoenix Suns to, for tweeting out information on this and then writing excellent articles. Um, Kellen Olson, there's one that I forgot there. Did you say Dave King? And Dave King, of course. Uh, shout out to all of them for getting this information out to us. There was some interesting stuff from this press conference. Uh, you know, Monty talked about coaching uh, campaign uh, in OKC. It seems as if he was hinting at the fact that everyone is going to play in Orlando. For some reason, he avoided talking about Kelly Oubre. I thought that was kind of interesting, but it seems like the rest of the team plans on being there. They also talked about that there was going to be three exhibition games uh, before the actual official eight-game schedule. I'm sure those are all in Orlando. He seems to be preparing at this time. Uh, It doesn't seem like... Like he wants to win games, but he did acknowledge that he's not planning on playing these guys like extended playoff style minutes and shortening the rotation because of that. And I, I think that's I probably that because of Kelly Oubre not being there as well. Yeah. Um, but what did you think about all this? Well, I th- I <laughs> I didn't have many opinions on on most of it because I thought most of it was pretty generic. Right. Um. But but I thought the thirty four minute thing is what he set as a limit. He said mm-hmm. he's not going to play players past thirty four minutes. And if you recall when we talked about the uh, the bubble when the schedule first came out. Um, or or when it wasn't the exact schedule, but we knew roughly the opponents that the Suns would be playing. We said, hey, if the Suns want to go 7-1, and one, they want to go 8-0. and oh. Devin Booker needs to be playing 38 minutes. Ricky Rubio needs to be playing 38 minutes, because how else are you going to avoid throwing these, these lesser guards into the rotation? Now that we know that everyone's only playing 34, uh, there's going to be minutes for everyone. Frank Kaminsky is going to play a, a fair amount. Darius Sarge is going to play a fair amount because someone needs to fill for those minutes uh, left behind by Kelly Oubre's absence, and Mikhail Bridges can't pick up all the slack if he's only playing 34 minutes. Similarly, like we just mentioned, Campaign is going to play. Javon Carter, I'm sure, is going to play. Maybe the other guys will. Maybe they won't. Um, but so, I don't know. It hurts. It hurts the Suns' chances of seriously being able to go seven yeah. and one or eight and zero. Right. But I think we. I think we realistically already knew that. So. Yeah, it, it, it's not too much of a surprise to me. Yeah, I, I said it before. Um, my main thing that I want to happen in this Orlando bubble is everyone stay healthy and come home healthy. Like I, I they just the the NBA apparently is considering like a secondary loser bubble uh, for the worst teams in the NBA, the remaining eight teams to play in Chicago. And I was almost thinking, why aren't the Suns in that one? It's you know like they could <laughs> yeah. be the best team in that one. Uh, but you know, it, and Illinois is not lo- uh, logging ten thousand new cases a day. <laughs> exactly. That was that was exactly my thoughts. And you know, so that's that's my main thought is I hope they stay healthy. So beyond that, basketball matters, and we were we are of course going to talk about the basketball. But these guys are people, and they're probably not going to make the playoffs. So what I want them to do is be healthy and get home as quickly as possible. Uh, that's that's really what matters to me. I did think that. He did talk about Devin Booker wanting to go to Orlando and I'm quoting a tweet here and cement himself at another level. And apparently he mentioned uh, making the all-star team and the all-NBA team as a future goal. Uh, so he did make the all-star team. Now he could potentially make the all-NBA team. I think it is, it's going to be really difficult to make the all-NBA team. He'd have to have an incredible eight games. If he went Orlando. 8-0 and averaged 35 a game, he's got a right. chance. I think if they, win, if they have a winning record, right, if they go 5-3 and three or something and he has an incredible showing, then maybe it's possible. I think that, like I talked about, the narrative is shifting on Devin Booker. At a certain point, talent is unquestionable and undeniable. And... Uh, that's that's happening at this point. It's not always about, uh, you know, it's not about is Devin Booker failing the Suns? It's, is the Sun are the Suns failing Devin Booker now? That narrative is now shifted, and 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 yes, narrative matters for all NBA. By the way, uh, it definitely does. 
Uh, and then the last thing he mentioned, I thought that was kind of interesting, is he said that <laughs> I think that muscle watch hashtag muscle watch has muscle already watch. has already began somehow because <laughs> this is, has been somewhat of a an off season without any games. He said that Cam Johnson maybe potentially added some muscle. Apparently, I he's lo- in excellent shape. I love hashtag muscle watch. That's, yeah, that's brilliant. We got to start using that. Um, I'm calling bullshit. <clears throat> I've never had mono. <laughs> have you? Have you ever had mono? Uh, no. I feel like it's not something that you just recover from in two months and put on like a lot of muscle. Right. You lose a lot of weight on mono. Uh, and so, you yeah. know, maybe he cut the fat. Maybe he's got a lower body fat percentage than he did during this. But even that is hard to believe. Like NBA players just to keep up. Uh, they don't even get the opportunity to lift much right. during the season because they're just they don't want to be sore for the games and they have to eat like 10,000 calories a day just to keep up with all the cardio they're doing. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm calling bullshit on this one, but I am curious to see what he actually looks like. Well, he said uh, he's in great shape, and then may- he kind of hedged himself a little. Maybe he added some muscle. And I think uh, okay. the thing is about Cam Johnson is he's always in great shape. Like, I've never looked at him and said he's in bad shape, so I don't know that he's changed at all. Um, but I think that he will play a significant role, in- and Monty acknowledged that without Kelly Oubre on the court. Uh, something we didn't talk about last week because of our Devin extended Devin Booker conversation, which, by the way, I had a great time doing. That was a fun podcast um thank you to everyone who gave us some feedback seems like people like that episode uh but the schedule was released and it's not much different i'll just read through the games real quick washington dallas clippers pacers heat thunder uh 76ers and then the last game against dallas again it's essentially the same as we expected just a slightly different order of games no real cupcake games except for maybe that washington game um you know that even that the Nets are play- apparently not, you know, half their team has the coronavirus, so the Nets are not really going to be there. Washington has a legitimate chance to make the playoffs now. So even that Washington game, I think, will matter a little bit more to the Wizards than it will the Suns. Uh, but just an interesting schedule. I- I'll be honest, uh, I don't really think it's necessary to do a massive breakdown of the schedule so far um, and do some real analysis here. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on it? I uh, No. From a basketball standpoint, not at all. I do think it's interesting for you guys. All of these start times are, uh, you know, y'all are going to be at work for the most part. Like right. these are these are late morning, early afternoon games. Right. It's going to be, um, or actually, are these Eastern times or are they? No, they're Arizona times. Yeah, yeah like Clippers one p.m., Pacers one p.m., OKC eleven thirty a.m., right. Philly one thirty p.m. Um, so I hope you guys have a way to to watch a replay. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be right. tough. And no you know, national TV games, by the way, which is fine. Yeah, I, I don't care. Yeah. I, they, we don't deserve national TV games, if I'm being honest. I mean, I don't know. I guess what what else are they showing on sports channels right now? If it's literally the only yeah. sport, then then maybe that's an argument for it. But yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll get into those games more as they get a little closer, starting July 31st. And I, we're going to have a lot to talk about by the end of this month, of course. Last thing quickly. Did you see Josh Jackson being mean to Suns fans on Instagram? <laughs> being mean to Suns. Yeah, but that dude was asking for it. Right. Explain the context. Okay. First of all, if you're the type of person that likes to go to people like Josh Jackson's Instagram and comment saying, I wish we never drafted you, uh, you're talking to the wrong person. Josh Jackson was not the person that chose to be drafted to the Phoenix Suns. Maybe he did have a little control over that, and we know the story with him controlling who he worked out for, but... It's not him. It's not him. You're just being a dick for no reason. Don't be a dick. So there were some Suns fans, or I think it may have just been one Suns fan on three different occasions, harassing essentially Josh Jackson, telling him he's garbage and trash. And Josh Jackson um, clapped back a little bit and said, essentially, uh, the Suns are a terrible organization. I'm not the reason they suck. Uh, the organization is. And then even at one point in a third interaction said something like, you think Devin Booker's going to waste his career there, which really cuts... Oh, did he say that? Yeah. I did not see that part. Yeah, I think that one cuts deep uh, in a way that the others don't because he's friends with Devin Booker, right? So there's... Is he? Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, I think I think they're friends. I, I mean, think... I think they hung out when they were teammates, but, but are they still... I don't <clears throat> plug into players. Yeah, I don't, I don't actually stuff, know. I don't <laughs> That's know a good point. I don't actually out. know. Uh, But here's, I think there's two things. What do you think about Josh Jackson uh, saying these things? And then I think a secondary question, an interesting conversation. What do you think about players uh, just sort of responding back to trolls in general? 
<laughs> That's interesting. I haven't thought about that. I think uh, I, 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 well, what was the first question? The first question was about Josh Jackson. Yeah, what do you think about him I, saying these I, things? I tried not to think about Josh Jackson these days as much as possible. Uh, I don't like <laughs> it's him. It's weird as a when people player. do, right? Like, why are you going to Josh Jackson's Instagram saying these things? Yeah, no, I think that's stupid. I think, I think the dude had it coming, honestly, and, and I'm not surprised and I'm not going to make a big deal out of it because I think Josh has a right to defend himself. Uh, that being said, if I was a player, I guess this gets into question number two. Uh, the whole social media thing, man, I, I think I couldn't do it. Like, I think DeAndre Ayton has it figured out. You know, he posts, right. he has a he has a Twitter account that is very obviously someone like five years ago, just his agent or something told him to set it up and he'll tweet like once a year about some promotion he's doing right. at the basketball camp. There's the famous insert quote about game right. here. But, yeah. but you don't actually, he doesn't show his personality to the fans. His personality honestly only comes through in those media interviews and that's just because he's forced to do them. But if he had it his way, he probably would be a complete ghost. Um, and I think for players, that's just, that's kind of the way you have to do it. It sucks. Um, and I guess you could debate whether maybe uh, half these guys who are ghosts uh, on a surface level then create burners to actually track what's being said about and them. And I'm sure uh, Aiden has one. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure they all do. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, 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 people, it's it's not just to professional athletes. People on the internet are just mean. They're just mean for no reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, if if you spend too much time plugged into any particular app, it's going to have a negative effect on your mental health eventually. Right. Doesn't matter if you're Joe Blow who who works in an office or if you're a professional basketball player making $20 million a year. You can't feed into the negativity because it's all there is these days and it's driving people crazy because they can't fucking go outside right now. Yeah, and I I I fully support athletes clapping back. I think the most famous uh, examples were Kevin Durant recently. Uh, actually, I should say re- not recently, over the last probably two, almost three years now, uh, just every once in a while, we'll just go off on a fan and say something back to them. And uh, to me, if that's what it takes to, to blow off a little steam, it's fine. It's fine. I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think they are well within their right to do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then fans sometimes will respond, like act like they were just assaulted. Yeah, like that an NBA player dared defend himself. Or I think the other thing is when they when they're like, oh yeah, you're right, man. I'm sorry. Like uh, I fully support you know where they go back on. Jared Dudley's fat. Jared Dudley's 300 pounds and made a barbecue (laughs) sauce, and I could easily cook him one on one at LA Fitness. And then Jared like comes comes onto Twitter and says, oh word, what's up? And like you know claps back, and they're like, oh Jared, I was just kidding. I'm actually a huge fan. Yeah, I'm actually a huge fan. I have your jersey on my wall, bro. So much respect. (laughs) Like yeah, no, that happens all the time, and it's equally hilarious. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. I just thought it was interesting. I think that that's something to to monitor. I think the part that I think bothers me the most is consistently there are players who leave the Suns organization and then say bad things about it. I just wish that didn't happen. Uh, you know, we'll see if T.J. Warren ever does somebody like that. Eric Bledsoe never never really did either. I think God, you know if professionalism um, there, but if like P.J. Tucker, I'm trying to think of like players from the past five to it hurt when Dragic did it, but I understand uh, why he did it. Oh yeah. That was uh, posturing. I think he was trying to get out of the team. Yeah, yeah. And he hasn't said anything since, but right. I think he still thinks it. He just hasn't, he, he hasn't felt the need to bring it up. If like someone like PJ Tucker said that the, uh, the organization is trash though. He was like, yeah, that organization was trash. That would really hurt. I would be like, Oh wow. We really are trash. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know? And it just shows the kind of pressure that Monty Williams has. Cause the entire you know james jones to an extent but i think like monty williams is somebody that and people in the nba respect now whether they be players uh, you know other personnel coaches or or even the media i think they all sort of respect him and and the reputation of the phoenix suns is now riding on monty williams's shoulders uh you know somebody josh jackson never interacted with so uh, you know, we have a lot of hope in him and what he can do. And I think I, I, I think he's, he's doing a good job so far. It seems like the players really respect him, but it seems like we never really know the truth until they leave. And even then, you know, who, you know fans right. have a way out by saying, oh, he's just, he's just bitter, you know? Yeah. You know who the players didn't respect? Who? Uh, I want a, a brief congratulations. This was one of the top <laughs> posts on our sons this week. Yeah. So I think he deserves a shout out. You, do you think he deserves a shout out? Yeah, absolutely. I liked Igor Kokoschko. I did too. Um, I, you know, and I, I still don't. I it would not. I'll put it this way: I do not know if the rumors about the players not having respect for Igor. I don't know if it's true because I was never around the players. It would not surprise me um, right. if we're being totally honest. And I hate, I hate that I think that. Yeah. 
But just the simple fact that we have not had any success stories really in the NBA with a foreign-born coach commanding the respect of, of players like that. The only examples really are Igor and David Blatt, and thus far neither one has has exactly panned out. So it would not surprise me is all I'm saying. But to get to the news, Igor Kokoshkov uh, is now the new head coach. He accepted a position as head coach of uh, Fenerbahce Istanbul, one of the top-tier teams um, in Turkey, obviously in the EuroLeague. Um, and consistently these days uh, finishing in the final four in the EuroLeague and a, a top-tier recruiter of EuroLeague talent. So he will be a head coach again for one of the best basketball programs in the world, although not in the NBA. Um, and yeah, I guess the only thing I'd say about that is good for him, but I hope he gets yeah. a chance in the NBA one day to, to kind of prove people wrong. Yeah, I think uh, Igor Kokoshkov's problem was never basketball. He, he knows basketball. He's a basketball genius. And I think he'll do a great job. So shout out to him. Uh, anything else before we end this episode, Sam? That is it for me this week. All right. Thanks, everyone. Be nice listening. to each other. Be hey. nice to be nice to NBA players. They're people, too. Uh, you know, we can say things. Don't say it directly to them. That's a bizarre thing to say. If you if you don't like their basketball, just say it to yourself. Yeah, leave, leave them alone. Um, but we'll be back next week. Who knows what we'll, we'll be talking about? We don't even know at this point. We never know. We'll figure it out. All right. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.